This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonners. This is episode 121 and today we're going to be switching things up a little bit. We normally talk about NXT and AEW Dynamite. Don't worry, we're still going to be talking about those two. Uh, so some really good episodes uh, this past Wednesday to get our teeth stuck into. Uh, but we're also going to be switching things up a little bit. So over the next couple of episodes of Wrestling with Jonners, we're going to be looking at uh, booking scenarios, booking a particular event or booking a particular angle or booking a particular wrestler and uh, hot off the heels of of WrestleMania 36, we thought, well, let's have a look at Drew McIntyre. And uh, he didn't quite get the moment that he was hoping for at the end of Sunday night uh, when he uh, defeated Brock Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania 36. But maybe we can kind of have a look at how he's going to hold the championship for the next few months, maybe 12 months through to WrestleMania 37 and to see what challenges, feuds, opponents, matches or, uh, you know, potential uh, challenges to the belt he might have over the next 12 months. And kind of do a bit of fantasy booking and booking Drew through to that magical moment in 12 months time that he should have got this past Sunday but uh, that's all to come I want to introduce our special guest uh, now uh, it's, it's been a little while in coming been uh, arranging this for a little while with this particular guest now uh, he's, he's a huge wrestling fan probably been a wrestling fan just as long as I have he's very active on Twitter and Facebook helping to promote uh, lots of other social media pages and promotions out there and uh, he loves to talk all good things about pro wrestling around the world he's currently involved um, as a commentator and as a runner and all good things with a BWE and uh, the, the British bombshells wrestling uh, all up in Yorkshire and uh, he's, he's a, a much loved member of the Wrestling with Jonas community as well so he's the creator of uh, Movies with the Bear and Wrestling with the Bear social pages I want to introduce to you Michael Jolly so Michael great to have you uh, on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast and uh, how are you sir? I'm all right thank you um, thank you for having me um, it's uh, it's a pleasure and um, I'm excited to be on it because yeah ab- absolutely as you said absolutely love talking wrestling love um, love you, uh, you guys, and absolutely love the show. So it's um, a, a privilege and a pleasure to be on it. Well, no, it's, it's great to have you on as well. Like I say, you're, you're a massive wrestling fan. You're quite active. Uh, you're very, very active on social media, especially with regards to promoting, um, you know, the, the, the wrestling pages, BWE and uh, the British Bombshells. Now, we were talking a little bit off air about uh, some of your activity with those two groups. And you mentioned that British Bombshells is, is part of it. It's kind of like the women's division of BWE up in Yorkshire. Um, but uh, I know that everybody's on a bit of a, a coronavirus hiatus at the moment and a lot of people are working from home and indie promotions or wrestling promotions around the world are on a bit of a bit of a standstill, bit of a hiatus. But uh, tell us what your kind of role involved when it came to BWE and uh, all the, the wrestling scene that you're involved with up in Yorkshire then. So I was brought in um, very, to be honest, after the, uh, the first show. So the first show was in the, uh, the May of 2016. I got brought in uh, for the second show in September 2016. Um, through a love of wrestling and through a mutual friend of ours. And um, we just got talking and um, wanted to know, basically wanted to know what I wanted to do and what I wanted to put into um, the, the show. 
the, the promotion. So I said that, you know, like anything, anyone that loves wrestling and wants to get their teeth into it was like, I'll, I'll be up for anything. You know, where do you want me? So um, my first gig was uh, literally being thrown in doing commentary, uh, which I've never done before. And it was live commentary. And uh, I'll tell you what, I was pretty scared. The single to emote, um, is it really? You, you've got a single to emote. You've just got to take a deep breath and go through it, I suppose. Luckily enough, I had um, a really good guy who um, was the, the main lead announcer. And we luckily enough, we were able to strike up a good relationship. I've known him for a few years anyway. And he's done commentary before, so he was giving me some tips and some help. So he was... As I said, he was the he was the um, the leader now, uh, the lead commentator, and, and I he would just in, invite me to input my little bit in, um, and it worked really really quickly. Um, and um, by doing that, I got obviously a lot more confidence. Um, and from there on, I did quite a lot of commentary. It, my main job was to do commentary after that, but um, I also was asked to help because I. Social media was getting a bit of a boom at that point, um, and we didn't have any social media. So I turned around and said, well, I'll gladly help with social media where you needed it. Uh, so we created, obviously, like yourself, we created a page, we created a Twitter account, we created Instagram, we created created everything that you needed. And and it was just a matter of, I will help um, put it out there. Uh, the main guy, the main promoter would win, put everything together, push it over to me and then I would see the matches, promote them and then just tweet them, retweet, put them, tag them into anything like, like yourselves where uh, the, with the um, podcast community where you, you just generate enough interest that people um, want to be involved and want to see what we've got. Um, now that then turned into uh, um, backstage running. So uh, we had a couple of issues where, some people weren't able to uh, make it, so I would then come away from commentary and make sure that the the backstage running of it was okay. Uh, people were at the point, music was cued, you know, uh, everyone was needed what they needed, everyone had what they wanted, and it, yeah, it just it carried on from there. I've, I've done a bit of uh, security, but that was due to um, part of part of the story. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's been really really good. I mean, we've been a little bit quiet the last couple of years uh, due to health um, on both parts, but we've done a couple of uh, charity shows for um, Radio Air, uh, basically for for candlelight um, cancer, and um, we did one at the Christmas show just past for um, cancer for children uh, through Radio Air. So it's not yeah. been too bad. I just want to get your very quick opinion. Now, the news broke yesterday on the WWE uh, websites that uh, the, the revival um, have been uh, granted their release. Uh, now, yeah. uh, according to the WWE website, I'm reading it here, Scott Daw- Dawson and Dash Wilder of the revival released effective today, Friday, the 10th of April, 2020. WWE and the revival have agreed on their immediate release from WWE. We wish them all the best in their future endeavours. So it does look like Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder 
are gone. Um, and uh, there was some speculation that maybe one of them was injured and that injury time would be bolted onto the end of their contract. It doesn't appear so. And um, Ryan Saturn um, confirmed on his social pages yesterday that uh, it, it appears from his sources that they do not have a no-compete clause. Now, usually when talent leaves WWE, there's a three-month no-compete clause where they can't wrestle or sign any contracts with new promotions until that 90-day uh, is up. But it doesn't appear to be the case here. Now, me and you we spoke, Michael, off air about this very, very briefly. We discussed that there isn't much wrestling going on around the world at the moment. There aren't many promotions for them to kind of go and you know uh, apply their trades with. Um, but there's a lot of speculation about where they might end up eventually. Um, what's your thoughts on this, how it all went down, and who would you like to see them wrestle for, Michael? Well, like everyone else, yourself and everyone around the world, these two were fantastic wrestlers. Um, I thought what happened with them in WWE, unfortunately, like a lot of people that have been brought through, um, it hasn't worked. They've been not not treated the way that they should have. Um, however, um, I'm glad that they're away from it. Um, me personally, I think it's a good thing that they've come away from it. Um, they can be who they want to be. They can because you can clearly tell that they love the wrestling. Yeah. They love wrestling. I mean, look at look at the match that they had with DIY at NXT. Mm. It was uh, Canada. It was just amazing. Um, for me, the the easiest option because of social media is AEW. Everyone thinks they'll go to AEW. Um, however, I with the way that they are and the way that they look and their style, it'd be quite interesting to see them at um, NWA for a little bit. You know, if they are going to end up going to AEW, it'd be quite cool to see them do a little bit of a circuit run. So whether it be uh, even Ring of Honor, but uh, NWA, they're, 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 the whole the whole gimmick, the whole um, where the style of the wrestle would fit NWA perfectly because they are NWA wrestlers. However, it would be quite unique for them to be at uh, New Japan as well because it's yeah. a fresh new style. It'd be something that they haven't had there for a while. I mean, look at look at when Cody went over. Look at um, look at. Um, I mean, I know he's, he's not wrestling anymore, but like when um, Albert went across as um, the great Bernard, yeah. um, it was something different, and I think they, it would work as well in New Japan having a completely different, fresh look and view of wrestling instead of just doing, as they say, no flips just wrestling that type of thing. It'd be quite cool to see different comparisons on that. Uh, but ultimately, they've got so many wrestling um, companies out there that they could go to. And so, so many wrestlers that will be buying the lip, wanting to have a wrestling match with them. Again, as you said, a Young Bucks is the easiest option um, because of their their love of each other and the, the fact that they've known each other for years. But I think there's quite a lot of places that they would go um, and I don't think it's down to money, but again, they said that they they've put across that they they love their family. So for that alone, I would say that they would stay in America. Um, now, whether that ends up with um, AEW, Ring of Honor, um, even New Japan America, if that ever comes about, especially after with what's going down at the moment around the world, if that still goes on after the lockdown is lifted, um, you never know, they might go there. It all depends on what type of contract they have. They could have an open contract, they could be locked in, 
you, you don't know. They could have the you know, like the whole thing with Jericho being able to move across to New Japan. It'd be quite interesting, but I do think that um, there are a lot of potential. Well, I know there are yeah. a lot of matches out there that people will want to watch, and it wouldn't surprise me if someone's already made a top top fifty list of dream matches already. Like what we're going to do, but <laughs> uh, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if someone's already made a list of saying these are who you need to face. Well, it'd yeah. be awesome to see these two face off against each other. Um, yeah, I, I just think they're phenomenal wrestlers, and unfortunately, not being utilised the way that they should have been in on the main on the main um, roster. So. Yeah, I, I think the problem with that is, I mean, they they, they were certainly recognised for their wrestling ability on NXT. They did have, I think, four championships when they came up onto the main roster amongst Raw and SmackDown. But, you know, having, having the, the tag goal strapped around your waist doesn't really kind of uh, demonstrate how you're being looked after as characters. And I think they yeah. felt that they're, you know, they were not being utilised for their wrestling skill. And to be honest with you, maybe the WWE main roster isn't the best place for the men if, if they uh, view their wrestling style uh, you know in high regard um, as opposed to you know we know what the WWE um, it, it does with its wrestlers it does focus more on the, on the gimmicks and the characters and the storylines instead of the straight 30 minute you know five star classics which is what they were getting in NXT um, but I'm, I'm happy that they've finally been able to get the get the break that they deserved get the release that they deserved one interesting thing you said is regarding money now if, if it's not about money and if they're not worried about where they end up then i'm quite intrigued by them possibly ended up in nwa and of course we know that that's a promotion that uh, is you know in, held in high regard especially their uh, nwa power show every tuesday on youtube of course um and the tremendous talent and uh, like I say it's only uh, an hour per week so it's very digestible as well but they do focus a lot more on the in-ring product um more realistic storylines so that's a possibility definitely uh, quite intrigued by the fact they might go to new japan maybe ring of honor i think ultimately you know it will all boil down to AEW, and whether it be at the, by the end of this year or early next year um i think you know we've got to see that revival uh versus young bucks match i think that's the match that uh, everybody wants to see uh out of those uh, two teams but uh, very very interesting and i'm sure it's quite a fast moving development we'll probably hear more but what we do know at the moment is they're no longer with wwe they have a, a no uh, a no no complete peak clause if that makes sense so they don't yeah. have to kind of sit on the sidelines for 90 days and uh, it'll be interesting to see where they end up next and they could do a marty skirl and just end up um you know appearing on an episode of NWA or they could bide their mm. time and wait for the right contracts to come their way but um, yes uh, any, any final thoughts on that Michael? Yeah as you said I completely agree with you um, there's you know um, personally I think um, it's again it's it's not down to money because if it was if if reports are true they'd just knuckle on uh, they'd just you know get on with it and just yeah. stay with WWE but you can clearly see on social media you can you can see it in the way that they wrestle. You could see it in the face on screen that they weren't happy um, with how they were used. Um, and unfortunately, when no matter how good you are, if you are if you are treated a certain way on a product, people will go off you. No matter how good you are, you could be you could be the best wrestler in the world, but if you're not put across that way, then no one will invest in you. And that's and that's clearly the issue that they had. I mean, for me, the only problem I've got if they go to AEW is at the moment they've only got the one show. 
So depending on how long it takes for this next show to come on, they've got a lot of talent that have not been on telly and yeah. not been utilised. And the only issue I've got, which is why I think NWA would be quite cool, even New Japan, because they do quite a lot of different tournaments and shows through the year, um, is that they, yes, they get signed up, they go work with the mates and that, but it either pushes everyone else down or they get put on the back burner until this new show comes around or until there's a spot for them. I just don't want them to be jumping in with both feet um, and not being treated. I'm not saying they should be treated like royalty, but you know they should be utilised the way that they should be like they did in NXT, that's all. Mm. So it'll be, as you said, it'll be interesting to see in the next few months. I think what they should do, if they are going to go to AEW, is do what they've been doing with um, um, Cross NXT, and that is do video vignettes. Yeah, and put them across. So even if you don't see them for six months because of the, the current predicament that's going around the world, you can put video packages out there um, building to their arrival, which would be quite cool to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, yeah. but uh, that's probably one of the one of the hottest topics out there, and that broke yesterday. So it'll be interesting to see what we see with those two individuals down the line. But uh, let's have a look, look, look at this week's NXT, then, Michael. So uh, it was a, a different show again. Obviously, we've been getting used to these NXT shows in AEW Dynamite without any fans. Uh, we'll talk more about AEW in a bit. But uh, I want to go straight into the main event of this Wednesday's show. So it was the one final uh, beat match. <laughs> I, I think they were describing it as the kind of unsanctioned match between Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. They've been feuding now for what must be well over two years, possibly getting off for three years now. But uh, I mean, this was very interesting. I mean, you, you, you saw uh, Johnny Gargano appear in this undisclosed location. Um, as he stepped through the building, you've got Ciampa. He's crouched down in the corner. Triple H is there. He tells both wrestlers that what happens in the ring ends in the ring. Um, like I said, this was a bit of a street fight, a bit of an unsanctioned match. Um, it, it was pretty hard hitting as well, to be honest with you. You know, both of the wrestlers were looking to kind of destroy one another in this dark, uh, empty yeah. warehouse in setting. It was kind of a bit, a bit of a warehouse, I think. Uh, we saw Ciampa throw Johnny headfirst into a steel chair that was wedged between two turnbuckles. Uh, Tommaso somehow finds a, a crutch in a laundry basket or some sort of container, um, and he uses that later on in the match. We see uh, Tommaso Ciampa powerbomb Johnny through a table at ringside. Uh, Ciampa then removes the, the ring canvas and the padding exposing the bare wooden ring boards. That comes into play a bit later. They fight out, out into the parking lot and on top of a truck. They eventually make their way back into this this uh, this stage, this uh, arena, uh, where uh, Tommaso delivers a wicked air raid crash from the top turnbuckle oh, yeah. down onto the floor on the outside. And that looked like it sucked for both wrestlers. And both wrestlers really did look like they, they needed a minute or two to, to recover their breath after that one. Uh, Ciampa then goes wild with, with the crutch across Johnny's back. The referee gets tangled up in the action and he gets knocked to the outside. Uh, Ciampa hits the, the Willow's Bell, um, draping DDT on Johnny onto the bare wooden ring boards but there's no referee to count then Johnny's wife comes in Candice LeRae she comes back into the scene after having earlier dropped Johnny off at the uh, the undisclosed location uh, to see uh, uh, Johnny and uh, Tommaso um, and what, what kind of they've done to one another she tells uh, Champa that uh, she hates her husband and to finish it 
uh, Candice then uh, says that she'll finish it instead. She nails uh, Johnny, her own husband, with a low blow kick, uh, flooring her husband to the floor. Candice then leaves, uh, to, well, appearing to leave. Tommaso goes over to Johnny, um, always uh, consoling him for what had just happened yeah. with, with, with Champa telling Johnny that he didn't want, uh, want any of this to happen. He seems sorry for how it all played out. Then, then we saw Candice come back into the frame. She nails Tommaso from behind with a low blow um, as uh, Johnny and Candice smile to one another. Johnny tells Champa, you lose, you lose, uh, before delivering Tommaso's own finishing move, the fairy tale ending uh, on the bearing boards. The referee recovers, gets back into the ring, counts the three, and Johnny and Candice, they leave together with big smiles on their faces after just, just playing a, a really cruel trick uh, to defeat Tommaso Champa to end their final ever match. It went about 35 minutes in total then, Michael. So th- this match has been quite divisive on online. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of people that loved it. I personally did. I thought it was fantastic, but there's been a lot of people that thought it was too long. Um, it was too drawn out. Maybe it was a bit boring. It was uh, a lot of the same sort of stuff we've seen from these two before. Um, but um, was it a good ending to their feud? And what 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 uh, kind of did you enjoy most about it? Uh, or what did, what did you not enjoy about it? Was there any aspects that you didn't enjoy about it, Michael? Um, well, to be honest, um, I can I can watch these two fight all day. Um, I've never ever been bored with any of their matches. Um, even when after they, after the second one, then they were saying, "Oh, we're going to have a third and people online were saying, "You know, oh, why again? You know, this, that, and the other. Um, why, why do we need to see this again? We've seen it before. Um, every match that they've had, they've brought something new. And to me, this match was almost like a greatest hits of yes. all the different matches. Like yeah. with it, as you said, we were removing the. Um, removing the padding um from the from the ring um and i just yeah i can i can never get bored of these two these two know how to work these two have so much chemistry together which is the reason why they keep having matches together um if there wasn't if there wasn't chemistry they won't put them together these these two are just incredible wrestlers whether they're facing each other or facing other people um i just i just thought yeah Absolutely fantastic. Um, I think it would have been quite cool to have it in front of a crowd, just so you could you could feel the energy and you could play off the um, the noise from the uh, the crowd. You know, whether they're wincing or going ow or ooh yeah. or cheering or anything like that. I think that's one thing that everyone's had to deal with, and you can't do all about you. A lot of people, especially a lot of wrestlers, work. Um, different, like um, they play off the crowd, and if they don't have that ability to play off the crowd, it sometimes throws them off a little bit. Um, that that move is is buried off of the turnbuckle. That was just, uh, was just I felt that through my TV screen. I felt yeah, that. I, I've actually wrote down <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, I mean, I've, I've had the privilege of seeing. Champa live on an indie show in the UK um, and when he worked for Ring of Honor and the way that he worked then and the way that he works now is exactly the same he's never lost a step um, he's just an incredible wrestler um, but these two know what to, they know what's asked for, of them, they know what they can do they know how to bring in a crowd they know how to keep the attention on them um, I do get what a lot of people are saying that um, did it go a bit too long? Maybe so, but I think 
it wouldn't have felt that if you had a crowd because the crowd would build, you know, they'd cheer, they'd, they'd clap, they'd build you up to, to get that energy going through you and everything like that. Um, but I think um, I've seen matches that have, have gone way too longer than they should have. That should have lasted five, ten minutes and have given, been given 20, 30 minutes. But me personally, I think this match was, uh, it was given the time that it needed. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they moved it all over the place helped. Like, as you said, they they kept it in the ring, they went outside, they went back in the ring. If it stayed in one area, I think that's when you'd feel it'd go a bit too long. But the fact that they changed the environment helped um, progress the, the match that it was. Um, it was very, very, especially with no crowd, it was very, very hard-hitting. You could, uh, you could hear every chop, you could hear um, every bump, you could hear the, the trash talking that each of them did to each other, which I thought was really, really good. Yeah. And that's what about, uh, the, these empty arena matches is you do kind of, you, you do hear every strike, you do hear every bump and all the, all the kind of struggling to get their breaths and all the, or, you know, you do hear everything and it makes it kind of feel a lot more dramatic and a lot more real in a sense. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying that aspect of these matches anyway, certainly when they're as good as this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, um, uh, the, the bit where, you, I mean, Candice LeRae's um, way that she's been dealing with uh, Gargano's um, turn into insanity um, has been, you know, you've seen it on her face. You could see that she's, the way that it's always been built is that she's not happy with what's happening with, with them yeah. two. And the fact that, I, I love the fact that Champa has now switched places. Well, we've known he's switched places anyway for a bit, but the fact that Champa is now Gargano after the first match when yeah. Champa hit him with the crutch, you know, it's that whole thing of you're evil and I'm good, and it's just that it's it's the it's the um, the way that he sells it. You you you're not sat there saying, well, you did that to him, so that's the reason why you should do that. You actually feel and console and. And, and, and support Champa because of the way that Gargano um, has been treating everyone and even like uh, treating Candice. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, yeah, it was just really, really well, well put together. Uh, I was very, very, um, um, not constant. I was, I was very, um, what's the word? It was uh, intrigued with what Candice gave him at the beginning. Um, of the match yes. when she came out of the when they came out of the car, it was like a little uh, brown paper bag, wasn't it? I thought that she'd given yeah. him his lunch for the day or something like that, his sandwiches to have <laughs> part way through the match. Maybe she knew how long it was going to go. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I mean, like when when Gargano's talking about you know um, to Champa, like like anything, the way that you rile your opponent up, you know, you you're an embarrassment, you, you, you know, you, your wife, child, and everything like that. Mm. Obviously, you don't talk about the wife or the child. Because yeah. that's that's the tipping point, um, and then Candice coming in and saying, you know, basically you were both friends. What's going on with you? I need to end this. And the fact that she she took out Gargano to start with, um, it was almost as if like you know I've had enough of this. I've 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 had enough. I don't care who you are. Um, you're clearly the insane one out of the two. Um, you're the one I need to do it to. And then as you said with Champa saying, you know. I've just seen what your wife's done to you. Maybe we need to stop this because if your wife's going to do that to you, then 
we need to end it. And the fact that she came in afterwards and braided in between the legs. And then Gargano pulling out the cup, which protected him down below, was genius. Yeah. And then, but does that mean, as I said before, does that mean um, Candice has turned heel? Does that mean she just turned heel for that one night? Um, you know, because mm, very interesting. We've, we've, we've seen over the last few weeks or last couple of months with uh, especially AEW and WWE where every week you don't know whether they're playing heel or face, especially um, with certain people. But it all depends, especially with the, the ladder match that we had earlier, the way that she was portrayed in that to where she was portrayed in this. It all depends on whether we're now going to have a, like a, if you want to call it a power couple. Uh, together but it'd be quite interesting yeah I yeah. I, I think said, that's I, the way it's going to go Michael I, I do I, I think this was the the, the the heel turn of Candice LeRae and with Johnny Gargano now being the most despised man in NXT I think that those two like you say a, a good way of putting it the power couple of NXT uh, both as, as heels but uh, a very very good match in my opinion and I can kind of understand you know certain criticisms of maybe it going a bit longer I think that the camera work was a little bit off-putting at points because they did yeah. kind of shoot it uh, jumping from one camera to another to another pretty much every few seconds and that got a little bit distracting but i can understand they mm. wanted to do that to build up a little bit of uh, uh drama maybe to add a little bit more um, of a feel to it but uh, one other talking point at the end of this match talking about power couples was who was in that car that drove past as uh, johnny and candice were kind of leaving uh the, the, the kind of undisclosed location was it to kill across mm-hmm. and a uh, scarlet bordeaux uh, a lot of people Ooh, are thinking it was I, I possibly think it was but to, you know Maybe there's some sort of connection there involving Killer Cross and Tommaso or Killer Cross and, and Johnny. We don't know, but that that's kind of an interesting little thread that's going to keep us dangling. But uh, I want to talk about that six-woman ladder match then, Michael. So it actually yeah. kicked off the show. And as you rightly said, during this match, Candice was uh, was it was a baby face, uh, but uh, she did seem to do the turn certainly in that end segment. But she was a baby face for this one. Um, the other competitors in the six-woman ladder match was Io Shirai. Chelsea Green, Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai. Dakota was accompanied to the ring by Raquel Gonzalez. Now, remember that this was a match that was originally planned for TakeOver Tampa, which should have taken yeah. place the night before WrestleMania, of course. And um, it, it, it was always billed, because they had all these qualifying matches, but it was always billed as the six-woman ladder match to crown the new number one contender to the NXT Women's Champion. So what's interesting now is, now that we know who the new NXT Women's Champion is, uh, Charlotte Flair, after having beaten Rhea Ripley at Mania uh, on night two, of course. Um, it now adds that extra level of intrigue going into this women's ladder match as to kind of who might pair up against Charlotte um, at the end of it all. But uh, just to go through some of the highlights and then I get your thoughts on it. You, I said it, it was a pretty star-studded match. You had pretty much six of the best women's talent in the, in the women's division in NXT, of course. Uh, we saw the the ongoing feud between Dakota Kai and Tiga Knox play out during this match as well. Um, all six had their time to shine and they had their time to, you know, have the chance to climb the ladder and to reach for the briefcase. Um, but so we saw Io Shirai, she catapulted Mia Yim face first into the ladder, which was set up in the corner before performing a, a huge dive onto the rest of the women on the outside. Even Raquel Gonzalez, she wasn't officially part of this match, but she got involved 
Uh, but she was made a bit of a non-factor thanks to a bit of a, a choke slam power slam combo off the ring apron through a table on the outside from Tegan Knox and Mia Yin. That was pretty impressive. Then Dakota Kai, she kicked Tegan off the side of the ring through a, a, a ladder uh, that was set up as a, as a bit of a bridge between the ring apron and the barricade on the outside. And the end of the match was pretty awesome when you had Candice LeRae, um, Io Shirai battling it out on top of the ladder. Um, Io knocks Candice off the ladder crashing through uh, the ladder that was previously used earlier on in the match down below and then uh, EO climbs grabs the ladder and uh, grabs the briefcase unhooks it and she is now the new number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship and we all know that that's going to be a bit of a dream match that we can all look forward to I think a lot of people were annoyed to a certain degree when Charlotte won but when you look at Io Shirai on paper against Charlotte Flair that's a match that you can get excited about now Michael just give us your, your quick thoughts on this one and then that potential dream match down the road of Io Shirai and Candice LeRae uh, and uh, Charlotte Flair of course yeah, absolutely. It was it was a good way to start uh, start the show. It was it a really was fantastic, fantastic ladder match. As you said, um, every one of them had their time to shine. Every one of them is a fantastic wrestler. Um, whether you've followed them from previous companies up to now, or even if you just know from them from NXT, um, I'm loving uh, Dakota Kai since her heel turn um, on Tegan Knox. I think as a character, I think she's had a lot more time to breathe, a lot more t- freedom, and I think it's it's working uh, for her um, on on the screen. It, it, she just she just looks awesome. Um, one thing that you you left out, which I put down, was uh, Chelsea Green's bulldog to Shirai on the ladder looked a bit nasty at the very start of the match. Um, it didn't uh, the way that the the way that the camera looked, it was almost as if she caught it full on without being able to protect herself, but clearly she was all right because she didn't bleed from it. Um, I just thought, yeah, it was a solid match. Uh, it's a shame that it wasn't on a big stage um, because it deserved it. Um, you know, you had you, you had uh, the, the faces um, taking on, um, or taking the turn, taking on Dakota Kai, um, which was nice because obviously falling back from war games, um, the double team, as you said, the double team to Gonzalez through the table was you could see, you could see it was coming, but it was quite cool to see who was going to put her through it. As you said, Mayim and uh, Tegan Knox helped. Um, but yeah, I just, I just thought, I just thought it was NXT have got a very, very good, um, strong women's division. Very strong. Um, yeah. But, but over it, if you look at both of them, uh, NXT is one that shines regarding the women's division. Uh, they've got some fantastic wrestlers that have got many years under the belt. Um, and Io Shirai, I think, again, same with Dakota Kai, since um, taking that, going down the dark route, um, turning over to the dark side, sorry, um, um, I think it's it's helped her um, as a character and helped her um, build as a wrestler because um, she, was, she was incredible in it. Um, I think it's the right person. Out, out of all of them, um, I think it's the right person to win because of the potential. Well, as we know, the dream match that's coming. Everyone else um, can take a loss. Um, you've got quite a lot of people there that have the ability to have a feud amongst themselves um, without having to go for that belt. Uh, they don't need the belt to, to to make a name, as we've as we've seen from that division. 
Um, but I do think that out of that lot, I would have picked Io Shirai to take on Charlotte uh, as a as a first person to to challenge for the NXT Women's Championship. Well, let me ask you then, Michael. So, so I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's a bit of a dream match uh, on paper. Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair with the NXT Championship on the line. Should they? hold off and keep this match um build and build and build a good storyline to it until fans are allowed back in full sale or in the performance center when they can have fans back in the arena to appreciate this or maybe blow it off at you know a takeover before maybe summer or the survivor series but kind of don't blow this one off too soon when we don't have any fans in the arena wait and build it up properly as the big special match that this is that it deserves um until you know 15 20,000 people can can see it in an arena yeah absolutely um i think um what they should do because obviously years ago you had the if you don't compete within 30 days you have the belt taken off you that doesn't always work especially when you look at like the likes of Brock Lesnar um um, I, what I would say is how I would build it would be that yes you are the number one contender but Charlotte then tells her that she needs to prove to her that she has a title match it doesn't matter whether you've got whether you're number one contender it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what you've done in the past or anything like that Charlotte Flair is on a different level to everyone else uh, as she said in her interview afterwards uh, you know, the belt doesn't make the woman, the woman makes the belt. This whole, and I thought that was a fantastic promo she did. I think how how I would have it was build, build her saying that, yes, you are who you are, but I don't think you're at my level yet. Prove it to me and put her on this like journey to hopefully get to the point of getting, as you said, to a takeover at, Survivor, at SummerSlam because it's not, sorry, not SummerSlam. Uh, uh, yeah, SummerSlam, sorry. Because uh, you're only like three months away, yeah. you're only about three, four months. So, and the fact that they're only doing about an hour to an hour and a half a show, and they're only putting on three matches a day, uh, three matches, maybe four matches a show. Yeah. You don't need them two to be on it every week. If you're having a three-hour show like Raw, then that's fair enough. But you don't need your champion and your challenger to be on it. You can even do vignettes. You can even do put a posting saying, "I don't, I, I'm not here because you know." I'm staying at home, I'm the champ, I'm resting, you know, you want the best of me, I want the best of you, you could build it that way, you don't have to have them in the ring, like we were saying about the revival, you could have, you could put video packages out there, and just build them, and build them on social media, you could use a social media angle, you could use backstage video footage, and you could just build them to a really, really good match that people are clambering for, then having it just blow off next week, for instance, which is what I hope they don't do, they don't just blow it because yeah. it's something that they need to do for ratings to 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 be AEW. Yeah. Uh, I hope they've they got don't. an opportunity here, haven't they, to do something special? They do have Absolutely. an opportunity to do something special, and I think a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads as to why Charlotte won the championship at WrestleMania. A lot of people were saying, well, it's to help with the, the ratings on the Wednesday. And if that is the case, you probably will see a lot more of Charlotte on future episodes of NXT. But that match between her and Io Shirai 
don't blow it off in an empty arena. Wait and uh, like I say, give the fans what they want. Give the fans an opportunity to see a match like that because that will be pretty special. But also an opportunity for a bit of a, a passing of the torch and a passing of the crown and the championship to Io Shirai, who definitely, definitely deserves it. But uh, Michael, let's move on. Let's move on to AEW. So we both saw this week's show. Now, AEW, I don't know if uh, you've been watching it from day one, my friend, but I have. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's, it's sucked me in more and more and more every single week, every single episode, every single pay-per-view to the point where I quite often watch AEW before uh, watching NXT because uh, I'm just so involved and so enthralled by the action. But um, it looks like talking of undisclosed locations, they were kind of um, hosting this one from a, from a, a, an unfamiliar location. A lot of people are saying it's possibly QT Marshall's very own gym. So uh, free apples for everybody, <laughs> if that is the case. Uh, but in this episode, we had Chris Jericho, um, who was pretty much the star of the episode, really. He was on commentary alongside Tony Schiavone and just made uh, the show even more enjoyable. Uh, but we had a, a tremendous promo to open the whole show from Jake Roberts and uh, asking uh, with Jake asking Cody, Cody Rhodes, if he is a man or a mouse ahead of Cody's TNT tournament match against Sean Spears later on that evening. Uh, basically telling Cody that uh, he should take a loss to Sean Spears so he doesn't have to suffer a beating at the hands of the murder hawk Lance Archer. Uh, we also got to see Lance Archer in his, his second match, uh, another squash match in AEW, um, almost killing uh, Alan Ingalls uh, with his devastating blackout finisher. So give us your quick thoughts on, on kind of the impression that Lance Archer has had on you since joining AEW, is he delivering? Are they handling him correctly? And uh, Jake Roberts, he seems to be turning back the clock, really, as far as his promo work is concerned. And uh, it's almost like it's uh, 1989 all over again. You've got Jake Roberts delivering the best promos on the, on the show. So uh, give us your thoughts on what happened here. Um, personally, I think Jake Roberts hasn't lost the step. Um, as you said, it's, it's as if there's been no time that's that's gone. Um, however, just jumping back a couple of uh, a couple of episodes, um, I would have preferred Jake Roberts to come through the crowd and do the initial debut, then come down the ramp. I think that would have been a lot. You know, like how we did it with Archer. Yeah. I think I think that would have been a lot better because you, you've you've done him a Titan Tron, so it, it loses ever. Especially people like I'm nearly I'm touching forty now, so I've been watching it since well since we had Sky in like eighty eight, so <laughs> um, I've been watching it from from day from very early on, and I think the way that they introduced Archer was better than they did with Robert, but Robert's promos from the very start of him coming into AEW has just been spot on. Um, I absolutely love. Jet Snake Roberts. Um, I'm so glad that he's come. He's been given the ability to come back um, and and also put over people. Um, you know, I've, I've, he's never been one that's always hogged the limelight. Uh, the, the limelight. I mean, if he did, he would have he would have won a, the world title. But he didn't care. He didn't matter to him when he was younger. But I just think what he's doing with Lance Archer is good. Um, I think putting Lance Archer against people that you know they're not gonna. He's gonna. You know he's gonna beat them. Is a good thing to build, especially if he's gonna be two, three, four weeks away from facing um, what would be now Cody. Um, I think it's. I think it's a good way of building him to make him a threat um, and having 
and having um, Roberts as a mouthpiece is ideal for the character that he plays and for the character that Lance Archer plays. Um, I I've watched him quite a lot in a uh, in New Japan, even when he was wrestling with um, um, David Boy Smith Jr. Yeah. Um, I thought them two as a tag was fantastic. Um, I think the type of wrestling that he's doing over here uh, will work. Um, they don't have a lot of people that are um, quite strong. Um, as in, you know, um, I'll I'll take you out in five. The Biggie Langston type of thing. I'll yeah. take you out in five seconds because uh, they they've got quite a lot of people that are your your cruiserweights, um, you, you know, you, you've got no super, you've got no super heavyweights, you've got nobody that's a monster other than MJF's um, bodyguard, um, Wardlow. But I think he's, I think he's somebody that could work. Whether or not he's going to be a future AEW, I mean, everyone goes on about, oh, will he be a future AEW? I don't think he'll be an AEW champion, but I think if he's given it all depends on who again it all depends on um who they want to put the belt on i think uh archie will be really really good winning this tournament having jake snake as a promo but it all depends on which way the um, company goes with but for me i think archie would be very very good uh to put across because he's a big guy he's got the look and he's got someone who's got initially he's he's got the Paul Heyman of AEW, basically. Yeah, so. Definitely, yeah. And, and of course, Lance Archer is also part of the, the TNT tournament to crown the first ever TNT champion. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, there was quite a competitive yeah. match between uh, Dr. Britt Baker and uh, Hikaru Shida in a women's division match with uh, Shida winning from a shining wizard, cementing her place as mm-hmm. the number one ranked wrestler against Nyla Rose's championship. However, the, the bigger news coming out of the match and uh, was certainly on social media anyway, was, was that uh, um, a, a blur face from a, a, a broken nose or an injured nose of Britt Baker that she suffered at the hands of Sheeda and uh, that, that, that picture has been doing the rounds around the internet and uh, <laughs> but the, but the match itself was quite good went 10 minutes uh, quite, that was a quite a solid match between those two I thoroughly enjoyed it anyway but uh, uh, give us your thoughts on this one and uh, you know although it's unplanned uh, Britt Baker she looked pretty you know badass and uh, psychotic with a kind of uh, a face covered in blood and that kind of smiling through the pain uh, but a pretty badass picture and uh, uh, almost the Becky Lynch treatment there from when she uh, yeah. got punched in the face uh, from Nia Jax of course. Uh, for me uh, I thought again um, as you said it was a hard hitting very very good match very solid match. Me personally um, I think Britt Baker needs the crowd um, there are there were times where it was almost as if she was she was wanting the crowd to boo or be behind her or be against her. Um, I'm I'm going to be one of these people that says I'm not into her. I, I don't get me wrong. I think she's a fantastic wrestler. Um, I just the way that they've portrayed her over the last few weeks, like the whole with, with Tony Schiavone and, uh, and 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 this whole I, I'm a dentist. It's it's we know. I know. I know why they're doing it. I know why it's going across. It's it's to work the fans, and I get that. Um, but as a wrestler, I have no issues with her at all. I think she's just a fantastic wrestler. Um, she knows what to do. She knows how to sell. And again, like even Jericho said it on commentary, um, 
the colour of the blood means it's deep, which means, again, it's potentially, at that point, uh, it's a broken nose. Um, and she carried on. Um, I think that, I think anyone else would have potentially said no, but I think she knew what she needed to be done. And um, I think, yeah, I, I think them two together are fantastic. I mean, Shida is an amazing wrestler. Um and that's, and it both shined. They both they both proved it in that match against each other. Mm. Um, again, I think it's the way that the way the way that the world is at the moment. I think it's a good way of keeping the wrestler off uh, the champion off the uh, the TV and having everyone else battle to become number one contender. It's it's a good way of doing it instead of instead of putting the champion on and just going running through the entire. Um, women's division and then you turn around and say well why would anyone else want to face her because she's just beating everyone I think it's a good way in these especially in these hour and a half two hour shows that they're doing uh, to build everyone else to potentially be a threat um, against Nyla Rose so but yeah mm-hmm. I, I did I did think it was alright I just I'm still not I'm still not sold on Britt Baker uh, as a character um, but as wrestling I can't I can't knock her at all yeah. I just, I just think, I just think she needs, she, she doesn't work well with, in my eyes, she doesn't work well with not having a crowd to play off. But it's, it's uh, interesting. But with I the, could be wrong. Yeah, it's interesting how they're kind of handling Britt Baker though, because, you know, she's on a, a hot losing streak. To be honest with you, I can't remember the last time she won a match of any significance. And uh, maybe, you know, it, but, 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 like we've said about other wrestlers, you know, there's some wrestlers where a loss will hurt you, um, but there's other wrestlers where a loss doesn't really do any harm to you. You can carry on um, and uh, come out kind of slightly stronger for it. And Britt Baker seems to have that character where a loss doesn't necessarily seem to hurt her. Long term, oh. it may do if she gets, um, you know tarnished with the kind of you're a loser brush but she's also such a good character that she can kind of almost um i, I don't know go under the radar as far as that's concerned but uh, any, any concerns for brit that if it if she continues losing over a long term it could have a negative effect on her um possibly uh, i mean look at look at the amount of people out there they've um they've hired the people that they've got contracts i mean you got you had b Priestley a couple of weeks ago taking out Nyla um, you've got a lot of a lot of very very good wrestlers women wrestlers in that uh, in that div- in the AEW and I w- worry that potentially because of them only having one show and only being able to p- uh, push out maybe four matches a, a week that um, she may may get lost in the shuffle however I do like the idea that if she goes on this losing streak, because you can clearly see that she's getting a bit more psychotic in the match, especially after mm-hmm. you can even use you can even use the match that she's just had where she's had a nose potentially broke, making her go into a psychotic mode, and she might go still continue down this losing streak, and then there's a point where she, she properly snaps and then builds her, her way back up, and by building her way back up, people get behind her, and then she then wins the belt against whoever is the champion at the time. I don't know. It's just, I think um, with the amount of, that they've got on the show and the amount that they've got signed, not everyone is getting the 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 um, the TV time that's needed. Um, and I think sometimes it, it hurts Britt Baker because she's 
not where she needs to be. I think if she was able to, if she was able to um, wrestle other people that she hasn't wrestled or people that she hasn't who have, we haven't seen, and she even drops out the top five um, instead of having the same four or five people wrestle each week, then maybe it would be a very very good story to see. It's it's it's, it's a good thing to um, to watch, but I just think that at the moment with the them having only one show, um, they're 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 losing um, the ability to put out uh, everyone that is there uh, because there is a lot of very very good talent there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as I said, I just think having having that an hour and a half show, two hour show, uh, could potentially um, damage um, certain people, uh, potentially Brit because as I said. You need to put your other stars over. You can't. You can't just concentrate on the same five, six people. Mm. But yeah, as I said, it's it's, it's going to be interesting. I'd, I'd quite like quite like to see the Britt Baker going psychotic, a bit like how um, Chelsea Green was in Impact yeah. with the uh, Bride. It'd be quite cool to see. But as you said, we'll see because there's weeks where she's she's playing to the cameras, week weeks where she's not. So we'll see. Yeah. I've got the feeling they've got uh, long-term plans for, for Britt Baker, and she's definitely a star. Um, yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go with her. But uh, uh, then we had a bit of a, a rankings update from Excalibur in form. Yeah. Uh, Jake Hager was the new number one contender, pushing Chris Jericho to the number two spot. And, of course, uh, Jake will be taking on AEW World Champion John Moxley next week in like a, an empty arena match, so much in the same vein as what we saw with Gargano and Champa from earlier on. I'm guessing that'll be some sort of non-sanctioned uh, World championship match there that would be pretty good we also had uh, a tag match between Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa against the best friends with the best friends going over with their quite impressive uh, double team finisher uh, and then we had a, a, a vignette from the exalted one Brody Lee uh, telling members of the Dark Order how to dress one out in public uh, we even got the, the exalted one Brody Lee in a squash match after that uh, winning very quickly via a discus lariat uh, um, and then skipping ahead just very quickly we, we had a, a promo from Matt Hart now, I know we spoke about this one off air, but uh, he was from his Hardy compound, of course, addressing each member of the inner circle and uh, calling Sammy Guevara a false god and uh, Chris Jericho the whole of the arse. Uh, Hardy uh, invited Jericho to pay him a visit at the Hardy compounds to the uh, for the Elite Deletion, uh, which I'm assuming will be a match shot in the same vein as the, uh, the Hardy matches that he had um, from the Hardy compounds in his Impact Wrestling days. So uh, any thoughts on there, any of those segments there in, in particular, um, you know, Brody Lee, fairly new on the scene, along with Matt Hardy in the AEW division they're building those two characters up very very well and uh much the same as lance archer earlier Brody lee getting a lot of squash matches a lot of uh, quick matches to kind of put his uh dominance over but um uh, uh, matt hardy and Brody lee uh, are they being handled correctly um they're the newest acquisitions on the AEW roster of course uh for me i think um Brody lee was a good a good name to have as the exalted one um, he's a fantastic promo worker. Um, everyone's always said, even from his CZW days, that he was fantastic on the mic. Um, it's just unfortunate he never got the ability to do any of that uh, in WWE. Um, clearly, they wanted him as something else, but I think AEW have done really well with him. However, the cheap shot... I mean, they could sit there and just say, well, it's coincidental, but... 
the cheap shots that people are saying that it's against the former employer. Um, you can see it. Um, but as I said, it could just be how they're putting them across as in this um, this authority. Uh, and unfortunately, because you've got WWE, you're always going to have, even if someone walks from a different company, you're always going to have people playing comparisons and someone could sit there and say it's got nothing to do with them, but people will pick out comparisons regardless of whether mm, yeah. there is that or not. You, you, no matter what, you'll always have that. Um, I do like the I do like the whole um, aspect of him being authoritarian against um, his minions. Um, I, I quite like the, the I quite like the fact that one of them had a tie, and he says, "Well, you you look okay, so uh, you're, you're you're dressed for the job, so you can come with me. You two need to make a, make more of an effort." Um, to the other two that didn't have a, a tie, even though they were just wearing what looked like little uh, lycra outfits with uh, masks on. Um, I think again, as you said with Lance Archer, they need to keep him. Um, he he won a squash match. Yeah, he did. But you need to keep him like that because uh, if you get rid of that um, shine um, and that people won't be invested and people will just think, well, he's just another guy now. Why 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 is that? Why is why should be we why should we be invested in him? Why should we keep watching? Why should we turn up? Why? Should, I mean, the whole the whole the new order. It didn't it didn't start off very well. Uh, the way that they put it across, but they've got it back on track and they've done really well with it. So I think carrying on with what Brother Lee's promos and his matches are, again, with Lance Archer and Jet Snake, as long as they don't change that uh, format, I think it will work really well for them. Um, mm-hmm. Matt Hardy, um, he's doing what he does best um, from TNA, from Ring of Honor, WWE, fortunately not as well in WWE. Um, in my opinion, but he's doing what they're going back to doing what he can do best and not changing it. And in my eyes, it looks like they've just said, look, Matt, you just do what you want to do. Um, and we'll film it. Um, and it comes across that his, his whole, his whole character is just incredible. Um, and when it first started in, in parts, I didn't think anything of it. Um, especially after he'd come off the money, Matt Hardy gimmick. Um, and then he had that. He had these Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy matches, um, which where he was coming out of water turned changed into Will, where Jeff was turned into Willow, and I just thought they've got some of their they're absolutely fantastic, and they've they've got a got a way of selling this product and selling the name, and Matt's carrying on with it, and he shouldn't change. There's no reason for him to change because that's what people are wanting. That's what people are invested in. And you can see it, and especially with uh, Chris Jericho, um, yeah, he may be the first champion. He may he may be the one that's on the on the the posters and stuff. But he puts people over. I mean, yeah, I can't wait to it. I can't wait to see the Matt Hardy uh, Jericho match. However, they do it. I'm assuming they'll do it some kind of, as you said, the um, the compound, uh, almost like a. Undertaker AJ Styles type of yeah. thing, or or even dare we say like a funhouse type of thing. But if you're going to do it, you give it to the people that can do it properly, and that's the Matt Hardys. Um, he's he's incredible on the mic. He's incredible at doing promos. 
Um, and these videos are shot in a way that you are invested in and you want to watch more of it. So yeah, definitely. absolutely. Yeah. I th- and I think that's one thing uh, that you, you can definitely do more of on uh, an AEW Dynamite in the future with no fans in the arena is the cinematic kind of um, location shoots. And we've seen these matches before from the Hardy Compound and this uh, elite deletion match, which I'm sure will be much in the same vein of what we was what we've seen from the Hardy Compound before, will be absolutely tremendous, especially when you've got uh, Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho. Who knows what we're going to see, um, but from those two, but that would be fantastic. Let's quickly cap off the uh, the main event then. So it's the first match in the TNT Championship Tournament. And of course, we know that uh, Cody and Sean Spears has had a, a bit of a storied story rivalry uh, dating back to last year when uh, Sean used that uh, chair shot rather unwisely and kind of busted Cody open. I think it was at a fighter mm. fest when that happened. And then he started yeah. calling himself the chairman of AEW. But um and this one, you know, Jericho on commentary, he described this match as a good old fashioned meat and potatoes kind of match. And at one point, Spears uh, propped up a guardrail against the edge of the ring apron on the outside before suplexing Cody onto it. That looked like it sucks. That looked really painful. Uh, Cody recovered by taking his weight bout off uh, to whip Sean Spears with. Uh, Cody then sets up a table on the outside with uh, Sean Spears eventually being the one to use it, launching Cody over the top rope to the outside through the table with a C4. Um, Cody just manages to beat the referee's 10 counts and hits two crossroads but Spears kicks out on the two counts then in something a little bit different Cody applies a figure four leg lock which Cody really pulled back on applied the pressure with Sean Spears is so much agony that he gets uh get his shoulders are almost a pin to the mat long enough for the referee to count to three and Cody advances uh, via pinfall thanks to a figure four leg lock I thought this is a really entertaining match to be honest with you some pretty um hard hitting spots on the outside especially um, and uh, Cody advances. Um, let, let's have a quick look at the, the the brackets before we talk about the match. So we've got three other quarterfinal matches, and in Cody's half of the draw, you've got Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. So those two have fought before on an episode of, um, I, I, in fact, I think it was their last pay per view actually, Revolution, when they, those two fought, and that was a tremendous yeah. match. And uh, this is a bit of a rematch: Darby Allen versus uh, Sammy Guevara. In the other half of the brackets, you've got Kip Sabian versus Dustin Reynolds, Dustin Rhodes, and then. Lance Archer versus Colts, Boom Boom, Cabana. So, you know, it could potentially be leading to a Lance Archer Cody final. We don't know, but looking at the matches that are yet to play out, um, the tournament is definitely going to be looking like a hot one. But to give us uh, give us your quick thoughts on this kind of main event match, the, the opening match to the TNT tournament to crown the first ever TNT champion, Cody versus Sean Spears. I think it was a solid, solid match uh, to open the tournament with. I think it was... Um, Fantastic. Um, very, very, I was invested all the way through from start to finish. Um, everyone, had, both of them had their kind of shine. Um, I think with how the bracket is, uh, Cody was the right person to win. Um, however, I did like the fact that Spears kicked out of the two uh, crossroads. Um, yeah, it's absolutely good, solid match. I thought um, the way that they he won was quite unique. As you said, it was a. It, even they said, even as you said, um, Jericho was putting it over on commentary. It's a. Um, it's it's a very very good good um, way to be different from everyone else. Um, and we know Sean Spears um, has been wrestling for quite a long time, um, and I actually quite like his running AEW. A few people don't think he's doing as well as he should. I actually think. 
when he's been given the TV time. I think he's a very, very good wrestler. Um, someone that potentially will be um, holding a title, no matter whatever it is, at some point. And Cody is being Cody. Um, we've seen him before put over people. He's a good, solid wrestler. Unfortunately, he's had certain issues where, like as you said, he's had the massive gaping cut on the back of the head thanks to the Spears chair shot um, MJF catching him in the eye um, to affect his pretty face um, <laughs> but it, yeah um, I thought both, both again very good at telling a story in the ring um, they don't need the crowd like we were talking about where certain people need a crowd or it would be better in a um, crowd environment these two can work really well Um and as I said, they've, they've got years of experience to put on what was a good, solid match. I thought um, out of the both out of both shows, I thought this was second behind um, the Gargano match for me. Um, but the show again, I'm more than that. The way AEW put across, they clearly have seen what's happening in the world, and they've been able to put on the shows uh, in a way that. Um, as uh, you don't feel affected amongst it. Um, Every match is a good match. It's not a filler match. And I I think AEW are coping um, far better than what WWE are. And with the type of matches that they've got on at the moment, especially this past Wednesday, it showed. It really, really did. And I thought that was, as I said, I thought that were a fantastic main event. And it's a good way to um, start off the tournament, and it's a good way to finish off the show. So there we go. So that that kind of um, covers off our recap of this week's NXT and AEW, and two very very good shows under the circumstances. I've got to say, Michael. But uh, when I first contacted you about coming on this show, I was kind of brainstorming ideas, and one idea I came up with is do a little bit of fantasy booking. And as I said at the top of the show, the next couple of episodes of the Wrestling Jonas podcast will be looking more at fantasy booking scenarios. Now we all know WrestleMania is in the can; it's in the books, and uh, that the final uh, the final image that we all have of WrestleMania 36 was Drew up on the turnbuckles with the championship belt, the new WWE Heavyweight Champion. So, but he didn't have the moment we all wanted him to have. He didn't have the 80,000 people in the Raymond James studio, uh, uh, Stadium giving him the you know the, the fireworks and you know the, the raw of approval that he should have had so what we're going to do over the next uh, half an hour or so is to book Drew McIntyre's next 12 months as WWE champion his potential challenges his feud potential matches pay-per-view opponents uh, not not to go into too much detail but to have a little bit of fun and booking him all the way up to WrestleMania 37 presuming hoping keeping fingers crossed that he might still be WWE champion there so that he can finally have his WrestleMania moments his, his kind of crowning moment that he should have got last Sunday so so Michael when I first came to you with this and a week or more ago you, you've been doing your, you're doing your homework you've been preparing your list uh, we've been going backwards and forwards via DM to kind of make sure that we're all on the same track um but um how, how did you kind of you know prepare for this not, not giving away anything that's on your list but how did you kind of go into this project and kind of think right how am i how am i going to kind of get drew to wrestlemania and uh, and have that that big kind of championship celebration that he should have had on sunday i basically i i'm assuming like yourself um when i first looked at it i was like right so 
Drew's won at WrestleMania 36. I want him to be the winner at 37. And then work my way almost like to the middle. So work it to Royal Rumble. Yeah. How I would pass it from there. And so you then, worked backwards, I'm guessing. Yes. Part, yes and no. There's some, some of it I was like, well, I'll work back from WrestleMania to Royal Rumble. But from WrestleMania 36, I'll work to SummerSlam. Right. And then work from SummerSlam to Survivor Series. And then work backwards from Royal Rumble. To, <laughs> so it was it was key it was it was key it was key pay per views. How many times has your list changed over the last uh, twenty four or forty eight hours? <laughs> uh, I've I've got through about half a book. Same <laughs> <laughs> And in fact, scenarios. I'm looking at my list now, and I'm thinking of changing it while we're on the air. But uh, yeah, this is bit scenarios. Yeah, this is meant to be just a bit of fun um, because we all want to give Drew his crowning moment uh, in 12 months' time um, for, for WrestleMania Hollywood, WrestleMania 37 from the SoFi Stadium. And uh, let's hope that they kind of stick with him. And the reason why I think they will stick with him, I think that he's, he's popular backstage, he's, he's popular with the fans, he's got a great look, a great presence, amazing on the microphone, very, very confident. Uh, he's probably got the hottest finisher in the wrestling business at the moment. Let's be honest, they've they put the Claymore kick over, um, you know, bigger than any move they've put over in uh, recent months and recent years. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think, you know, you've obviously got John Cena on his way out. You've got, you know, Roman Reigns and who knows when he'll be back. And there's the, the WWE seems to be quite heel heavy at the moment, in my opinion. And there's not. Yeah kind of true baby faces that they can really you know put their full weight behind and uh, you know strap the cart to and just let him go with it and that's why I think Drew McIntyre is in for a long run because I think he ticks all the boxes and um, I, I think uh, you know I think from a business standpoint and from a wrestling standpoint I think he is a, a money man to be honest with you I think, think people will pay to see him now at the moment nobody can pay to see him um, so we want to at least uh, get him to be WWE champion for when the arenas and the stadiums open up again whenever that might be um, but uh, let's have a little bit of fun anyway so obviously during WrestleMania, they were advertising their next pay-per-view, Money in the Bank, which um, under normal circumstances will go ahead on May the 10th. So um, less than a month away now. Now, providing um, all of these pay-per-views go ahead, whether it be in front of no fans or in front of uh, you know an arena full of fans, where the, the, the calendar of WWE pay-per-view events will go as follows. And I think there's 10 pay-per-views, um, or at least nine or 10 between now and the next uh, uh, WrestleMania. So let's quickly go through them. So next month, they're advertising Money in the Bank. In June, um, all, all being well, um, it looks like they're going to have stomping grounds again. And then in July, they're going to have Extreme Rules. August SummerSlam, that's the usual kind of August slot for a WWE pay-per-view event. Uh, that's kind of the next big one, you could say. September, um, based on previous years, based on their calendar, it's going to be Clash of Champions. October, it's looking like Hell in a Cell. Possibly a Saudi event uh, between that, between uh, October and November. November obviously leads us into Survivor Series. December, TLC. January, of course, the Royal Rumble. 
And then if it's anything like this year, they'll skip a pay-per-view in February and give us uh, Elimination Chamber in March before WrestleMania again in April. So uh, we're only really going to be looking at key pay-per-views that kind of the, what was described as the big four or big five pay-per-views. But we, we've also got the rest of the calendar to play with if we want to throw in any anything else or any silly kind of options or anything else you think could work. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to start with you then, Michael. So we spoke about Money in the Bank being the next pay-per-view. Um, presuming Drew's going to be defending the championship potentially on the show. Um, who have you got him down as the first challenger? And one thing I want to throw in before you kind of give us your first choice is he had a, he had a match against the big show on this Monday's Raw. Now that was described as kind of a one and done deal. So it's not likely they're going to build anything big between Drew and big show, unless you think they are. Um, so, but looking at it, certainly so fresh off the back of WrestleMania, most of the heels lost at WrestleMania. So no heels are in a strong position at the moment. So there's no obvious contender as it stands at the minute to Drew's championship to be his natural number one contender. So I actually found the first pick, my hardest pick, because at the moment, all the heels are very, very flat. Um, but yeah. so where did you go with your first pick then for, for May and for Money in the Bank? For me, um, I had... I have this horrible feeling that they'll take it off him at Money in the Bank. What? <laughs> it's going to be a short conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, this is the thing that we were saying. Uh, <laughs> a um, few different. I had this. I had one vision that they were going to keep it, keep it on him all the way through to WrestleMania. Yeah. And there was the this awful feeling that they were going to take it off him at Wrestle uh, at Money in the Bank, and then he would then build all the way back up to potentially win the belt, uh, whether it be Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, or even WrestleMania. Yeah. But, and, but especially when we go back over WWE's logic and what they've done in the past, it, won't, it doesn't put, me, put it past them. So for me, I, I put it down that Drew wouldn't defend the belt. Okay. At uh, sorry, at Royal Rumble. Uh, put me to your thing, sorry. At um, Money in the Bank. I put it across that Orton would win Money in the Bank. Uh, and what they would do is just do a, a standard Money in the Bank match for him um, because they'll have Braun defending his belt against somebody. So instead yeah. of having both belts, especially with how the pay-per-views are at the moment, you're not going to get your four or five-hour shows. So not every title is going to be on the line. So uh, how I thought they may do it would be every almost like miss a pay-per-view. So Drew would miss Money in the Bank, but then possibly face somebody at Stomping Ground if we go yeah. by what the logic is with pay-per-views. Sure. So it would be it would be SmackDown champion face whoever, and Raw would have a Money in the Bank match where Orton would win. Now, Orton, being Orton, um, doesn't need to cash that in straight away. So how I had it was that one of the one of the journeys would be I don't think Drew should w lose the belt until Survivor Series, uh, but does defend the title until then. Now he's got you've got the likes of you can even have a potential heel turn of Alistair Black um, um, coming to it. Um, again, I don't think we should defend the belt on. TV shows, I think they should be defending it on what would potentially be a pay-per-view. Go back to the old style because you've got you've got a lot of filler that you can build, like what we were talking about with Charlotte and 
Io Shirai, you've got a lot of people that could um, potentially take up TV time to build to your pay-per-views and to build to your matches. So even if Drew doesn't wrestle for potentially have a match for a month, a month and a half, it doesn't matter because there's so much else going on on the TV. Uh, whereas obviously if you've got a, a live show, it's a bit different. Um, so I, I thought he could have a potential feud uh, with Alistair Black turning heel a bit further on, but straight straight after what happened at WrestleMania, and unfortunately we're, build, we're, we're pushing the Big Show show, which is why he was on Raw, I get that. Yeah. I would have Rollins. Now the reason why I would have Rollins is because he could use the excuse of, I won that match at WrestleMania, I shouldn't have had to carry on with the match, regardless of whether I won DQ or not, I've won. So I'm I'm the winner. In his head, he's the winner. Um, he is the face of Raw, as he always talks about. He's the face of Raw. Um, and even Drew could cut a promo by saying, you know, I'm going to be a fighting champion. I'll face anyone that I want to. Uh, sorry, anyone that wants to have a go. And by having that, Rollins turns up and he has um, Murphy and one of the AOP um, or if he's able to come down, I know he can't wrestle because he's injured, but attacking to, to help build for him to have the ability to have a match. And each week, or whenever Rollins is on TV, whenever Drew's on TV, uh, Rollins and his his, uh, his gang fight, beat him up, building to a match at SummerSlam, um, in which Rollins keeps pushing and putting over that he's the face, he's better than Drew, he's doing this. He's got all this help behind him. He can he can be the saviour, as we know. He can be the um, the guy, the face for Raw. However, Drew beats him at SummerSlam to completely crush that. So you've got a potential two two month build. Not having to have it on each week, you can have just Rollins running his mouth each week to build up to it, and each week um, have somebody else um, from like Murphy. Or even Rollins just sneak attacking Drew if he's doing um, a promo backstage just to build the hype to SummerSlam. Um, again, stomping ground. If we if we if we include stomping grounds and extreme rules, we could have we could build where um, stomping ground could be Drew faces Murphy. We could have then go on to extreme rules if he faces um, them again. He could have Murphy and one half of the AOP. And then again at SummerSlam, he faces Rollins, almost like building up to a um, to a final boss. But ultimately, Drew beats Seth, regardless of what goes on, all the uh, interference. He, he beats him at SummerSlam, so he's 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 the champ. He's done it. He's done dusted. I have <laughs> this is where it goes a bit weird. I have a bit where Jinder Mahal. Um, takes a number one contenders match on a return in a gauntlet match. Um, he wins against Drew. Sorry, he challenges against Drew, which um, Drew wins at the next pay-per-view. So you've still got a build from that. You're leaving Randy Orton on the back foot. You're not touching him at all. He's staying away from it because at this point you don't know. Uh, I know we've got the brand split, but you don't know where he's going because he keeps uh, the keep teasing him on SmackDown and Raw. So a bit like how they did with Charlotte, with um, Roy Rumble, you're not too sure where he's going to go. Uh, so they play off that 
by bringing in Jinder Mahal winning a gauntlet match against uh, you can have him against um, let's have a look uh, you can have him against Bobby Lashley you could have um, Samoa Joe Ricochet um, even Finn Balor um, and building Jinder to be the next threat because he was a previous uh, he was a prior champion so he thinks that um, he should be the champion they've got a bit of a storied allyship with the th- uh, 3MB uh, which he plays off um, as a as a face but then turns heel because he's better as a heel mm. he plays off that um, and and turns on on, Jin- on um, Drew setting up their next match um, this goes on for a couple of weeks Drew being the dominant champion he is beats him at uh, the next pay-per-view. However, this is when Orton cashes in and wins the title, um, beating Drew. So a bit like how um, Edge did with Cena after Elimination Chamber. So you had a guy who is not... uh, He's been beaten down, so it's not almost like um, a... Um, not a whitewash, but he's still like we were talking about with Becky and Shane Shane You keep still keeping him strong by having him having to face somebody else after a previous match straight away. Um Orton cashes in, as I said, beats beats him. Um and Drew loses the belt, obviously, as 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 you would do. Um however, at the very end, after that match, Brock Lesnar returns with Paul Heyman. So we've not seen Brock Lesnar since uh, WrestleMania and we're going all the way through to potentially um, Extreme Rules, maybe survive, uh, SummerSlam. Um, Brock demands a match against Orton um, during this, uh, and wins the belt at Survivor Series. So that's, that's the belt back on Brock Lesnar. Okay. Brock Lesnar will then keep that belt all the way through to WrestleMania. During this time, since uh, Drew has lost the belt, he he's going on a road to redemption type of thing. Um, you know, he's lost his. You know, he's, he's been beaten by Orton. He's lost his confidence. So he then goes into a into a run of matches facing off against an Alistair Black heel turn. Um, Drew. Um, could potentially lead a team at Survivor Series and win. Um, Bobby Lashley, um, getting with being on his own, could just be a dominant monster that he used to be. Um, he would be very good at building up Drew because they're both quite big lads that um, potentially uh, wouldn't be a squash match. Um, it would be a good physical match, a very hard-hitting match, which Drew would then win. Um, Drew would then win another gauntlet match um, at a raw taping uh, before TLC which would then take him on to um, face um, Randy Orton at Royal Rumble for a number one contendership so at this point you've got Brock Lesnar doing what he's doing and Drew's facing different people all the way through again you you don't have him on the show every week because you want to build to that mystique and you want to build to um, the the aura of Drew being who he is, um, Seth Drew then wins 
against Randy Orton at Royal Rumble. Seth wins the Royal Rumble. Um, but Seth would then pick Brock to prove to him, to, to prove to everyone, that he is just as good as Drew. And obviously, we know Seth and Brock have had their um, history, which would then build up to a triple threat at WrestleMania 37, with Drew being the number one contender, Seth winning the Rumble and inserting himself into the match, and Brock defending it, uh, where Drew pins Brock again to become champion. That's that's one that's one of many ideas that I've had wow. regarding it's the problem I've got is as I said you've, we've got so many you've got so many different avenues to go down the problem you've got is you don't want you, you try not to redo everyone else's storyline yeah. um, from the previous year there was one where I got it where there was one that involved um, uh he takes uh, Drew takes on Randy Orton, who beats him at Survivor Series with the help of a returning Brock Lesnar. So Brock Lesnar interferes himself, brings himself like how he did at Hell in a Cell. Lesnar beats Orton at the Royal Rumble after demanding a, a shot at him. Um, in the meantime, Drew is told that he has to earn his shot if he wants it back. Brock costs him Drew's spot at Royal Rumble because of what he did because of what Drew did to him the previous year. Um, but then Drew wins the Elimination Chamber to, to then face Brock at WrestleMania. But again, as I said, the problem you've got with that is are people still going to remember 12 months ago? You've mm. got, there's a, lot, there's a lot of different avenues you can go down. But the problem we have with wrestlers that are on the ro- roster uh, and people that are available... Um, we've talked about off, uh, before on, on social media the whole brand split you've got people that could come across you could have potentially you could even include Keith Lee coming over that'd be quite a cool match to see uh, Keith Lee versus Drew you could even have um, um, Undisputed Era coming across um, and inserting themselves into the Royal Rumble Um Cost it, uh, costing Drew the belt um, or you know the, as we know they've had some storied history with on NXT that could be running over onto the main roster which is why they cost Drew the main uh, the shot at Royal Rumble for him to win by this point obviously Butler's the, the champion so he's going to be the he's, in all my circumstances Drew, um, Brock is always the champion at Wrestlemania um, but in the meantime You've got um, you've got Adam Cole, a bit like how I did with the Seth Rollins on the at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You've got Adam Cole and all the undisputed era coming through, and Drew has to work his way through them um, to then potentially win Elimination Chamber or even um, potentially a match at a Saudi Arabia show between uh, uh, Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and WrestleMania for him to be inserted into WrestleMania. Um, personally, I think it should be a one-on-one match between Drew and um, Brock at the end of, of, for WrestleMania. I think it should be um, just to just to, again just to prove that he can do it uh, on the on the big stage. 
Um, but again, you've got so many different factors in there. You could even have Roman Reigns uh, interfere, uh, coming through into it. So you've got Roman Reigns um, facing um, Drew doesn't lose the belt at all. So it's it's just his way of going through the entire roster from NXT, Raw, SmackDown, and he's working his way through Cesaro, the likes of having fantastic matches like against Cesaro. You've got, um, as I said, Keith Lee. You've got every member of um, Undisputed Era. Um, you've, you've just got, you've got, you could even involve um, New Day and have Kofi come into it because I can see Kofi and Drew having a really, really good match, which could potentially be uh, at Survivor Series, whether it be in a team match or whether it be a one-on-one. Um, I do quite like the idea of having champion versus champion at Survivor Series, um, but depending on how everything plays out regarding um, the current situation around the world, I yeah. think certain things like WrestleMania and Survivor Series, because you've got so much on there, will be split into two days. Now, hopefully, touch touch wood, fingers crossed, it doesn't get to that point and we come back to some kind of normality um, by then. But I think the bigger pay-per-views that would be wanting every championship on there, I think they'll push that to a two-day show. So if it's not fixed by... Sorry, I shouldn't say the word fixed. If it's not... Uh, <laughs> if it's If it's not come back to some kind of normality by by SummerSlam, I think SummerSlam will be a two-day event um, because you've got so much on there. Um, but I think a lot of people will have to take a back, back seat to push everything because, as we've seen on the Raw, they've been showing previous Royal Rumbles. They've had a, they've had a podcast. Um, you can't have everyone on there because not everyone is available to work. No, of course. But, my my, pers- my personal my personal view would be to have Drew keep it until potentially Survivor Series. In my in my in my fan head, for me, it would be to work through Raw and SmackDown, and potentially some of their NXT. Um, you could insert whoever you want in. As I said, you could insert Randy Orton. You could even have Edge. That'd be quite a cool match. Um, you could, Keith Lee would be a, a fantastic obstacle to go against but I would leave Brock Lesnar alone until WrestleMania. Potentially have a stare down, have Brock Lesnar as he's done before. He's very good at cheap shots from people from behind. That'd be fantastic because it just builds to people saying, we want you to get Brock Lesnar, we want you to beat him. Um, There's not a problem with him being a champion because if you're going to try and get over as much as you can, he's he's not going to be potentially going to be there because he's not allowed to come out of Canada. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. which is one of the so it's 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 it is it is a good it is a good um good view of looking at down the different roads but you've got so so many fantastic fantastically talented wrestlers on each of the brand that as you've said you could be scratching your head and and, and changing it right now there's so many people that you could flip switch and say well that be a heel they could turn face you know, he could join a team. He could go out on a low, be a loner, and, yeah. and just be, uh, and just take on anybody and everyone. Basically, saying for the next twelve months, it's an open challenge. Anyone can have a go, and, but, and you could just do that. Yeah, I mean, one thing that um, uh, 
could also play a, a factor is that you've got the brand splits, which we're expecting to take place in yeah. around about October 2020, the yeah. same uh, as it did last year. So uh, potentially right. anybody that's on SmackDown currently might be on Raw, and that could really kind of flip things on their head come around about October, November, especially as we're heading into Survivor Series in the latter part of the year. And hopefully by then we'll have more you know fans in the arenas and the stadiums. But uh, yeah. so so I mean your your kind of WrestleMania 37 lineup he, he, was it a three way or was it uh, Brock versus Drew how how how's that main event looking for you in my in my head I I prefer it to be a Brock versus Brock versus Drew but um, I think if I was looking at their their viewing uh, as a business I would potentially because you've already had Drew versus Brock. Uh, unless you build it right, people are, are going to be like, no, nah, I'm not really that bothered. Hence the reason why they inserted Seth to win the belt at WrestleMania, um, cashing in, because people had already seen Brock versus Roman um, many times and they, were, they weren't that happy about it. So uh, me personally, I think it should just be a one-on-one, but I think they may insert somebody into it, whether that be Seth, whether that be... Uh, Adam Cole um, or even I know it sounds daft you could eat, depending on how they build other people you could even put Alistair Black in there um, I think it should be somebody who's going to be on there full time yeah. um, to give the belt Brock doesn't need the belt we've established that same with um, like we've, we've, we've talked about many times with um, Bray Wyatt with The Fiend the Fiend doesn't need the belt. He's an attraction. Undertaker doesn't need the belt. It's an attraction that people will tune into. So no matter who it is, Brock could just be, as many people have said, a bully. He, but for the for the feeling that we've talked about with guarding the the the, um, the way that it should have happened, he needs to take it off of Brock at next WrestleMania to get that crowd of 90,000 people. Um, cheering behind him. Um, if it's again, it de- all depends on how they book other people. They could build, they could build other people, but in the current climate, I don't think, especially with who they've got available and who they've got on the roster, I don't think they can build anyone enough in a quick enough time um, to take Brock on. I yeah. think it should be. I should it personally. I should think. I think it should be Brock Lesnar versus Drew, with a potential uh, with him pinning Brock. And if they do a triple threat, for instance, if they do insert uh, Seth in, I think they should have it where Seth doesn't get pinned. It's Brock who gets pinned, and then the crowd will blow the top. Wow. Um, I, I don't know how I can uh, compete with your list there. I think we'll end the show there, shall we? <laughs> uh, my, my list uh, pales in, to, into comparison with the amount of booking that you put in there. So uh, that was amazing. Uh, really, really amazing. Oh, well, thank you. Read and I uh, uh, really, really enjoyed that. Um, uh, but uh, I'll be starting with my list then. Um, and you've got to focus on Money in the Bank, which is the next pay-per-view, March the 10th. Um, and uh, j- just for kind of, 
you know, giggles, really. I've got that uh, Drew's next feud is going to be with uh, former 3MB stablemate Jinder Mahal. Now, it's, it's, it's kind of a lot of people are saying that Jinder's uh, on the road to recovery, that he's going to be coming back very, very soon. I think on one of the next few episodes of, of Raw, Jinder comes out, congratulates Drew um, and uh, pats him on the back and then kind of attacks him from behind. And I don't think Jinder's going to be accompanied by the Singh brothers. I think that uh, uh, Heath no. Slater is going to be accompanied in uh, gender and uh, you know there's going to be this pretense that they're going to reform 3MB or some version of it so like I say that you know a while ago there's no obvious challenger at the minute so to kind of have that thread of 3MB kind of reforming and then for gender and Heath to turn heel and to attack um, Drew from behind um, I, I think that that could potentially lead to a gender versus Drew match at Money in the Bank. And don't forget Hornswoggle. He was the unofficial member of 3MB. Um, and uh, he put on that excellent wheel. Was it WLC versus uh, uh, El Torito or whatever it was? That was a fantastic kickoff match. Yeah. Uh, if ever I've seen it was, one. But, it, uh, it, it was one of the best matches ever. It really was. El Torito and Hornswoggle. So Hornswoggle's got to be there, of course, you know, and uh, with, with, with the celebration cake and the balloons and the streamers, only for them to turn their evil backs on uh, on Drew McIntyre. So I think that, yeah, potentially Money in the Bank could be a little bit of a, a fun match between Drew and Jinder Mahal with uh, the other members of uh, the former 3MB stable on the outside. Looking into stomping grounds and maybe extreme rules, I think it gets a bit more serious. And I think once uh, AJ Styles has clawed his way out of that uh, that uh, uh, grave from last Saturday in a Boneyard match against The Undertaker, I think AJ Styles is definitely one of them characters a credible contender where he could potentially stake his claim to a potential championship match and I think that to have him against Drew at maybe an extreme rules with some sort of stipulation maybe uh, a tables match or maybe a, a TLC match with ladders and chairs involved as well um, have the, the the belt hanging high above the ring that could be quite good but I think Drew's going to hold on to the belt all the way through these early pay-per-views to be honest with you I've got an inkling that the first big show the first big pay-per-view where fans will be back in the arenas is going to be SummerSlam and I think that's the opportunity where you have kind of Drew kind of retain again and to retain the championship and to have a big moment in front of 20,000 people wherever it might be for SummerSlam um, and I think he's going to have his big Big match um, against Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins is going to be Drew's opponent at SummerSlam. Um, another heel hot off of a, a loss at WrestleMania, of course, against Kevin Owens. Um, but I think Seth by then will have kind of rebuilt himself, rebuilt his character, rebuilt his confidence. So we know that he's the, the cocky Monday Night Messiah. And I think that come SummerSlam, that'll be a, a fantastic main event to have Drew versus Seth. Um, there might be some shenanigans on the outside. You might have Murphy and AOP there. You never know. But I think Drew is going to steamroll through Seth Rollins through SummerSlam in August. Looking through the other I kind like of that, yeah. minor pay-per-views, September, you've got Clash of Champions, October. I think October will be a good opportunity at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view for Drew McIntyre to, to right um, a, a wrong from a few years ago. And if you remember, it was... I believe if I'm right in saying this, it was Andrade who took the NXT championship off of Drew McIntyre yeah. and put Drew McIntyre on the shelf after executing that Hammerlock DDT 
off of the turnbuckles, yeah. if I remember rightly, and injuring Drew McIntyre and putting him on the shelf for a good eight or nine months before he came back. And I think he came back onto the main roster, if I remember rightly. But this will be an opportunity. Andrade is a bit of a mainstay on the main roster now. He's currently the United States champion. Uh, Andrade may or may not have the United States championship come um, this pay-per-view, come hell in a cell in October. Uh, but I think that could be a good opportunity to elevate Andrade and to have those two go at it. They may not kind of tie up them loose ends from NXT. If Paul Heyman's anything to do with it, they probably will um, complete that thread, complete that cycle. And uh, that will be part of the storyline going into it is you injured me. You put me uh, on the shelf for eight to nine months back in NXT. You took the title off of me. Um, and, you know, and, and Andrade could attack him and challenge him or set himself up as the next challenger to Drew's championship and uh, put himself in the, the WWE title picture at Hell in a Cell, which Drew will overcome yet again. Now, there will be a Saudi pay-per-view that same month if it's anything like 2019. And if you remember shortly after this year's WrestleMania, a certain heavyweight boxing champion, Tyson Fury, put out a tweet challenging mm. Drew McIntyre to a championship match. Now, Tyson, he, he, we've seen him before in the WWE. He wrestled at a Saudi show last October, I think. And uh, Tyson's only going to wrestle in the, the biggest shows for the biggest money. And I think that the Saudi show in October could be when we see a fun little match of sorts between Tyson Fury challenged Drew McIntyre for the WWE championship. And I think that uh, that's when that whole kind of a loose end from Tyson's challenge could kind of come to fruition. Um, I don't know how good of a match they'll, they'll have, uh, possibly terrible, um, but uh, um, I think it'll be a, a face versus face match as well, which will be an added dynamic to the match. Um, but I think that Drew McIntyre is coming out of that Saudi show in October still as the champion. And then we go into the next big pay-per-view Survivor Series. I remember by then, and I think uh, probably the prime month, they would have had the brand split. So, you know, everything's up in the air. All bets are off. You can have SmackDown talent getting drafted to Raw. You could potentially have Drew being drafted to, to SmackDown. Who knows? I still think he's going to be the face of Raw. And I think one wrestler that's going to be drafted to SmackDown, and I think he, he, he's, he's recently returned from a lengthy injury himself. Um, but I think that Sheamus could be drafted onto the Raw roster. And I think that Sheamus could potentially lay a challenge, possibly with a, an attack. You know, you've got uh, Kelt versus Kelt. Um, and uh, stake his claim as a number one contender um, to Drew's WWE Championship. And I got a funny feeling that uh, Sheamus could be involved against Drew McIntyre. And I think that Survivor Series could be the place where that might happen. Um, so how's it sounding so far, Michael? I like that shout, yeah. I mean, we're both on the same page regarding the uh, Seth Rollins at, at SummerSlam. Um, and I'm aware of the, the tweet that Fury's got. I just don't know how they'll build it. Mm. Um, it, that's the that's the only thing. But again, as we've as we've talked about, it's um, it's it's a money show. Um, Saudi Arabia shows don't seem to be storylined no. like everyone else. So it's almost like it's a blow off. It's like it's 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 a televised um, house show. It doesn't matter. But I do I do think it'll be quite um, interesting how they'll build that through uh, through um, to facing in if that's what happens. Um, Seamus is somebody that I did think of um, but I th again it all depends on what they put him how they put him across on the Smackdown I think Seamus would be a very very good um, opponent to have for Drew 
Um, I think that's yeah. a good call. Is that? Yeah, and he's come back as a as a as a as a, a heel and a brawling heel. You've got the Celt versus Celt kind of dynamic there as well. So they could build some sort of storyline over their heritage. Um, so that that could be quite an interesting one to blow off at uh, Survivor Series. Uh, but I think Drew retains. So the, my my kind of storyline going through is that Drew, Drew continues to retain. He's a champion all the way through. He's that kind of big baby face at WWE, really, really getting behind, really, really pushing, really investing in. And uh, we, we we go through the TLC pay-per-view and on to Royal Rumble in January 2021. I think Brock Lesnar is winning the Royal Rumble 2021. He had a really good showing this year. He's uh, I, I don't he may have won one Royal Rumble before. Um, I think was it yeah, he, in the build he, up he, to he, 2003. Yeah, it's the one where. He, um, at the end, it was him, Kane and Taker. Taker eliminated uh, Kane and then Brock came in afterwards. Sorry, uh, Brock pushed him over um, and won uh, won the Rumble. Um, was that yeah. the one where he ended up facing Angle? Yes. That, that um, yeah. That's probably 19, 2003. So I think Brock's winning the Royal Rumble. Um, but I, I think that... Uh, Let's see. So Brock's winning the Rumble. I've You've got, got through keeping the belt all the way through. All the way through, but I think at the Royal Rumble, I've got a bit of a fantasy match um, that plays out between Drew and Alistair Black in January's Rumble. I think that will be a really fun match, whether they turn Alistair Black heel or keep him face. I think that that's a really good dynamic. Um, I would like to see. Alistair involved in some sort of featured championship match potentially at WrestleMania, but I think that they've got something in store for Alistair Black, and I don't think they're ready to put him in a championship match the, uh, next year's WrestleMania, but maybe a Royal Rumble match. Or it could be a multi-man match, maybe throw in AJ in there, or maybe Seth in like a three-way, but I think that there could be, I think that Alistair Black and Drew McIntyre's paths will cross at some point, either late this year or early next year, so I'm predicting that they'll have a match at the Royal Rumble, but I think that Drew will retain, you've got Brock winning the Royal Rumble, all the way through to WrestleMania, where you have the rematch, Brock versus Drew, Drew going in as the champion, give him a good 15 minutes, give him the match they should have had this past week in front of 75, 80,000 fans, and give Drew that big win over Brock, retaining the championship. None of this losing it and getting it back nonsense. He keeps the belt all the way through to WrestleMania and retains and beats the Beast in 12 months' time at the SoFi Stadium, WrestleMania 37. And I think that he is the biggest babyface they've got at the moment. And I think if they handle him correctly and treat him right, give him the right opponents and the right storylines, there's no reason why he can't go all the way through to WrestleMania 37 and retain. And to right the wrongs of WrestleMania 36, have the fans there, give him the big fireworks celebration, give him the big Daniel Bryan moments, and have Drew McIntyre as your WWE champion over the beast yet again, 12 months on at WrestleMania 37. How does that sound, my friend? Do you know what? You've sold me on that. Um, that sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds good. <laughs> it's, it's, the, 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 as you said, it all depends on how they, how they book it. If they book it correctly, there's nothing wrong with Drew, uh, with Drew keeping the belt all the way through. Really isn't. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Um, it's just, I just worry about, as, we've, as we've, we've all seen it before, me and you especially, we've seen it before where they, they book it um, 
they think they'll, they'll book it for the shock, shock factor yeah. uh, to build a, a feel-good moment. And it, sometimes it works and sometimes people turn off. Um, as long as they book it, as long as they book it correctly and book it how it should be, I'm more than happy keeping Drew the belt all the yeah. way through. Give him, as you said, give him, give him the right opponent, give him the right build, um, switch people between Raw and SmackDown. Even as I said, even bring NXT people in, just just as fillers. Um, but have you have your main people like as you said, your Seth, your, your Rollins, even your Alistair Black, your Andrade. I thought that that's that's a good shout. Is that yeah. Go back and bring bring matches through that people may not have seen on the big shows, um, but bring it back from what what potentially was on NXT. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a good shout. Is that starts with a bit of a, a 3MB reunion that goes wrong and having uh, Jinder flanked by Heath Slater and uh, Hornswoggle, of course. Who can forget Hornswoggle at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view? Then uh, going on to AJ Extreme Rules, Seth Rollins at SummerSlam, Andrade at Hell in a Cell, Tyson Fury at the Tauri Show in October, through to Sheamus after getting drafted to Raw in November's pay-per-view Survivor Series. Um, and then uh, Seth possibly taking on an Alistair Black, uh, sorry, Drew taking on an Alistair Black at the Royal Rumble in uh, January 2021. Um, and then on to uh, having that crowning moment and re- retaining all the way through at next year's WrestleMania. So some interesting names there, but uh, p- personally, I'll I- I- scrap all of that. And I just want to see the-, the Drew Gender match, to be honest with you. If we have a Drew G- Gender match, then uh, I'll be a happy wrestling fan. That would be pretty awesome. But uh, I don't think uh, <laughs> many people will be behind me there. But just for the just for the kind of, you know, nostalgia of the, the 3MB vibe. But uh, there we go. There we go. At Saudi-, at Saudi Arabia, you have a... Um a 3MB reunion with uh, all four of them. So you've got Jinder, Slater, you've got Boo and Hornswoggle. It's, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Oh, you know, the wrestlers that were on my list that didn't quite play a part. I mean, I've got Kane Velasquez, but I think he, he could potentially have a, a match with Brock somewhere down the line. I don't know. We haven't really heard much from Kane Velasquez uh, since his last um, big money match in Saudi Arabia. Poor fella. Uh, but uh, let's have a look. Um, you know, potentially a heel turn from Kevin Owens. You never know. Uh, maybe crikey Bobby Lashley. You mentioned Bobby Lashley. I didn't even consider putting Edge in there as well. I mean, you know, Edge is on a, a, a multi million dollar contract. I think it's like three or four million dollars per year that he signed up to. So, you know, they might have big plans for him putting in in a in, in a big match maybe in a SummerSlam or a Survivor Series in a championship match but that I don't think the dynamic would quite work there and it'd be good to see him go yeah. up against a big heel if necessary but uh, yeah he's, quite he's, interesting again, he's, he's one of the, again like you said he's one of these people like taken that, that they don't need the belt it could be it could be potentially someone to help Drew go through but I think I don't think um, for me Edge it all depends on how many matches he's going to have a year. Because yeah. is, is he going to be on? Is it going to be six a year? If he's going to be six a year, then you could build to different stories and you don't need to touch through at all. Or as you said, you could even have it where he goes over to SmackDown and, and puts over puts over other talent. I can see him being one of these people that puts over people, like yeah. how uh, we've talked about with other numerous wrestlers. Um, he's a good person to, to help build up. Um, I mean, he's, he's talked about his dream match being Roman Reigns. Um, I could, I'd, I'd love to see him facing um, people like um, Adam Cole. Um, that would be a quite, quite a really nice match. But 
as we go as we go back to Drew. I think the way that you've the way that you've put it across and the way that you've you've you've, you've laid out your your uh, road to the next WrestleMania. I'd be happy with that. I'd be happy with that. I think you say anything with enough passion and people believe you, but uh, <laughs> there we go. But, but, but WWE will probably piss on all of our dreams and just get Baron Corbin to take the title off in, in a couple of months' time. So, uh, you yeah. know, all of this. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Listen, Michael, it's been a, a fantastic pleasure to have you on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. We've spoken for about, for about two hours, all, all good things about NXT and AEW and doing a bit of fantasy booking. Uh, but uh, listen, my friend, before we say goodbye, um, do you want to throw out any, any, any plugs, any Twitter handles where we can find you on Facebook or Instagram, um, you know, and, and all the good channels that you represent? But is your opportunity to throw out um, any handles or any plugs for your social media, uh, social media links and pages go ahead my friend i appreciate that um so you can find me on twitter at uh, jolly the bear so it is just j-o-l-l-y uh the b-w-a-r jolly the bear um that is um i've got a instagram and a facebook page for wrestling with the bear uh and also have a separate one facebook and instagram uh for movies with the bear uh if you go on to my um social media you'll be able to see links on there um the main one for me is everyone just supporting the wrestling um watch as much wrestling as you can uh, if you can help um buy merch if you can support your favorite podcast um whether they've got patreon even if you just want listen to them feedback like yourself um just just watch and just just put out good vibes about wrestling. Uh, we're going through a current predicament at the moment where we're not enjoying going out. So watching wrestling is is, is a great way to get away from it all. Um, so yeah, just support you, support wrestling, um, buy merch, get on demand if you can. There's, there's certain companies on there that are doing three ninety nine for for their entire in, on demand. So um, just yeah, just just go do it. Just go share the love of wrestling with everyone else. Brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, Michael, we'll make sure that uh, uh, many of your uh, Twitter handles and social media accounts are added to the description of this podcast. So if you want to um, say hi to Michael Jolly and uh, find out what he's up to, just interact with him. We'll have a, a chat about wrestling. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to do that. You can just click into the description of this podcast and uh, yeah, click away and say hi to Michael. But uh, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on this uh, quite fun episode of Wrestling with John. I was doing a bit of fantasy booking. Uh, so thank you very much, my friend. I hope you enjoyed the experience pleasure's been mine thank you very much i appreciate you uh, inviting me on and no. uh thanks to everyone hopefully who enjoy uh, this uh crazy mad two hours <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely but we'll definitely have you on the wrestling with john's podcast again in the future and i spoke earlier at the absolutely. top of the show about yeah absolutely uh, i spoke uh, at the top of the show about this being uh, a couple of weeks of fantasy booking and next week we got mr warren hayes um well-renowned uh, person on twitter and uh, on youtube of course and he's going to be on the show next week where we're going to be doing some more fantasy booking now this is one that's going to be getting a lot of people thinking we're going to be kind of uh bringing back uh, 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 the invasion angle from 2001 Ooh. I think it was but uh, a 2020 version and what would happen if we had a big super show involving wrestlers from AEW against wrestlers from WWE, NXT, 205 Live, NXT UK and we're going to be picking the best of AEW 
to take on the best of WWE. And there'll be various gimmicks and kind of opportunities for wrestlers from AEW to settle old rivalries from the WWE days. And that'll be a whole kind of card. We'll have our own individual cards that we'll be talking through. And then uh, you can vote on Twitter and Facebook as to which was your favourite card after you've listened to the podcast. So that's going to be really, really fun. And that's going to be dropping next Saturday on the uh, Wrestling With Jonas podcast. But uh, as for this episode, please keep it tuned to the Wrestling With Jonas podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please don't forget to spread the word. Tell your friends and tell your family. Don't forget to press that ever important subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hit that subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode drops. Uh, once again, thank you very much uh, to uh, Michael for being a great guest. Thank you to all of my listeners for uh, listening to this podcast. Take care. Have yourself a great Easter and we'll catch up with you all again soon.